And now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this room be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock, our redeemer, and our resurrection. Amen. One day, the absolute best person that the world had ever seen or encountered lay dead in a tomb. Throughout his life, he loved people. He loved people so deeply in ways that no one else could ever really grasp. He healed people who thought there was no cure for what was going on in their life. He saw people whom others usually ignored or mistreated and welcomed them in. With him, there was always more than enough food to eat, always another seat at the table, always an outstretched hand, always an abundance. He met anxiety with peace, fear with great courage, sin and shame with forgiveness, and despair with hope. And his radical way of living completely turned the world upside down. It threatened the powers that be, it shook up the unjust systems, and it ultimately got him killed on a cross, a criminal's death. For those who had journeyed all this way with him, his death was the end of their world because they loved him. Even when they couldn't understand him, even when they couldn't grasp just what he was trying to teach them, even when the life that he called them toward felt so out of reach, they were still drawn to him. And they would drop their nets, leave their homes, and do anything to follow him. And they would do it all over again in a heartbeat. Because now they knew that God had been made flesh That God had been given skin and bones. God's love had been made real in him in a way that had never happened before. And now it would never happen again. Because their beloved friend, teacher, mentor, and Lord was dead. And all of their hope was just buried along with him in the grave. But early in the morning, on that first day of the week, while it was still dark outside, Mary Magdalene came to his tomb. She didn't come with even a small speck of hope that day. She came to grieve. But when she got there, Mary saw that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, and immediately she began weeping because someone had to have stolen her beloved friend's body. Finally, she heard a voice say to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And thinking that he had to have been the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have taken my friend's body, please just tell me where he is. But then this gardener man said Mary's name. And just the sound of his voice resurrected something that had been shattered within her. She looked up and cried out, teacher. And in that moment, her world was changed forever. Our world was changed forever. And Mary went out to share the good news with everyone that Jesus was alive. 
Friends, this is the reason why we are packed in this room today. (laughs) This is the reason that we celebrate Easter. This is the story of our faith, that Christ is risen. You know, I think 1115 can do that even louder, that Christ is risen. Oh, yes, yes. Now, I would imagine that many of us in this room today have heard this Easter story at least a time or two, and I would imagine that there are about as many responses to this story as there are people crammed into our sanctuary today. Some of you might be here with serious doubts about all of it. Or maybe you brought in some baggage with you related to this whole Jesus thing. Maybe the very people in churches even who have been entrusted to carry out Jesus' message of love for all people have twisted it into a message that feels like anything but that. Maybe you came to this story a bit skeptical today and with valid reasons. And then others of you couldn't even get here fast enough today. You could just burst with excitement this Easter morning. You couldn't wait to bring your fresh flowers for our Easter cross outside. And perhaps something within this story resonates so strongly and just resurrects something within you that you didn't even know was there. And then maybe others of you find yourself grieving this morning. Maybe you're weeping at your own tombs. Maybe it was a struggle just to step foot inside of a church or inside of this space because of the memories and emotions and all that it carries. Maybe you don't think there could possibly be any good news here for you today. Know that there is space for you in this Easter story. That there is space for all of us and all that we are carrying into the room today. Our doubt, our joy, our grief, our skepticism, our hope, and our pain. That God is big enough and tender enough to hold it all with us today. But wherever you find yourself this morning, I also want to believe. I really want to believe deep within me that there is a surprise in store for us. Just as there was that very first Easter, if you and I would open ourselves to that. Because the abounding message of Easter is that God always surprises. A pastor from here in Louisville, actually, John Claypool, once said it best that across the centuries, God has proven to be a strange combination of faithfulness and unpredictability. And God has been that way from the very beginning. God can always be depended on, but never anticipated precisely. Again and again, surprise has proven to be God's other name. And so I wonder, did you come this Easter morning expecting a surprise? Or do you think you already know how the story ends? You see, I suspect some of us have heard this story so many times that we've lost any sort of element of surprise within it. But when you and I are so convinced that we know the outcome, that we've got it all figured out already, 
it leaves no room for surprise. And frankly, it leaves no room for the divine to show up with us because God's other name is surprise. In his autobiography, French writer and Nobel Prize winner Andre Guide tells a story from his childhood about an experience he had during an an arithmetic lesson at school. Andre was looking outside through the windowsill that day, wasn't really paying attention to the math lesson, when suddenly he was shocked at what was happening right before his eyes. Because at that very moment, a caterpillar was emerging from its cocoon as a butterfly. Little Andre watched in amazement as these brightly colored wings began to unfurl from within this chrysalis. And he writes, I, find, I found myself in wonder, awe, and joy at this metamorphosis, this resurrection that was happening right in front of me. Young Andre could not contain his excitement. He began jumping up and down in the middle of class, completely interrupting the teacher's lesson. And he, he said, teacher, look, look, it's a miracle. Well, his teacher abruptly stopped the math lesson, turned toward Andre and said, what are you so excited about? Don't you know that every butterfly was once a caterpillar? What's so special about that? It's perfectly natural. And then the teacher continued on with their lesson. Andre said that something was crushed within his spirit that day that took him years to recover. He says, indeed, I knew my biology well, but just because it was natural, could he not see that it was also marvelous? Just because it was natural, could he not see that it was also a miracle. I wonder this morning, are we like Andre, open to the marvels and miracles and mysteries of God that are taking place all around us? Or are we like the teacher, closed off to any semblance of a surprise? Of course, there are valid reasons that we close ourselves off from the idea of surprise. I mean, think about Mary coming to the tomb on Easter morning. She wasn't expecting anything surprising to happen that day in the midst of deep pain. To even hope or consider something unexpected would have felt so audacious, so risky. She was just trying to put one foot in front of the next, in front of the next. And the reality is that even in ordinary moments, our brains aren't always wired to know what to do with surprises. Because we so badly want to know how the story ends. It's why many of us are often tempted to read the last page of the book first. Because we can't stand it. Or it's why when we're watching Netflix or Hulu, we will keep clicking next episode, next episode, next episode. Until finally the TV says, are you still watching? And you say shamefully, yes, next episode. Because we can't stand not knowing what happens next in the story. And then sometimes without even realizing it, when we don't know the rest of the story, we'll just make up our own versions of what's going on. In her book, Rising Strong, Brene Brown says that in the absence of data, 
we will always make up stories. It's how we are wired. In fact, she says the need to make up a story, especially when we are hurt, as part of our most primitive survival wiring. Meaning-making is in our biology, and our default is often to come up with a story that makes sense, that feels familiar, and that offers insight into how best to self-protect. And isn't that exactly what we see Mary doing at the tomb that day? Because when she sees that the stone has been rolled away, the story that she immediately tells herself is that someone has taken Jesus' body. It's the only one that makes sense. It's how she self-protects. And then even when Jesus appears to her face to face, she instinctively tells herself, oh, he must be the gardener. Because she just can't imagine an alternative. It's too painful to consider anything else. Until suddenly Jesus calls her name. And in an instant, Mary realizes that the way she thought the story ended was not an ending at all, but only the beginning. Because God's other name is Surprise. Howard Thurman calls Easter the glad surprise. He says, it is the announcement that life cannot ultimately be conquered by death. That there is no road that is at last swallowed up by the ultimate darkness. That there is strength added when our labors increase. That multiplied peace matches multiplied trials. That life is always bottomed by the glad surprise. And as I read that quote this week, I reflected on the glad surprises that we have experienced here in this community of faith. I immediately thought about Nancy Goodhue, the beautiful story of when Nancy first met Phoebe Delamarter, who became the love of her life. She met Phoebe in a mission and justice meeting here at Highland, because that's exactly what you expect when you go to a committee meeting, isn't it? Nancy says, the surprise in our story is that neither of us had any idea what would unfold when we first met. Phoebe was a bit older than I was. Her husband of 50 years had passed away several years previously. But our friendship deepened, and as we shared and encouraged each other in our spiritual journeys, the most amazing love began to blossom. Because God's other name is Surprise. And then Kathy Golightly Sanders shared with me about when she first visited Highland as a young seminary student from West Texas. She ended up sitting behind Dr. Lynn, the minister of music, during a Wednesday night service. They started singing a hymn, and pretty quickly Dr. Lynn turned around and said, Ah, you must sing in the choir. (laughs) And as someone so far away from home, the choir became an anchor for her. And she's been singing in the choir ever since, for 40 years now. Now singing in the choir alongside her husband, sister-in-law, and sometimes other family members too. Because God always has a way of surprising us. Another person shared with me about a time when a beloved family member passed away in a tragic accident. On the anniversary of their death, a few years later... They said, I woke up early in the morning 
The neighborhood was still dark, and I thought about how as people began waking up, they would go on with their days as if nothing ever happened. And it was so infuriating that they were going on with their lives. I thought, does God even care? In utter sadness, I stopped for a moment and looked up. The entire morning sky was filled with the intersection of two large vapor trails forming a large white cross across the sky. Sure, it was probably just two jet planes going on in different directions. But in that moment, I felt God's surprising presence, reminding me that I was seen and that I was not alone. Just because it's natural doesn't mean it's also not marvelous. And I thought about our friends, the Mars family who experienced the unthinkable over the past year when what began as a seemingly mild case of the flu for Nathan quickly developed into something much worse, putting Nathan on double ventilators, then on an emergency transport downtown to receive life-saving support. Doctors were serious that this was the last resort and that after receiving this treatment, there wasn't anything else they could do. And it was dark. And there were hours when there was not any hope in sight. And yet, in the midst of that, one day Nathan started squeezing his wife Missy's hand. Jackie's hand. (laughs) Got you. A few days later, he was blinking in response to questions and writing on a marker board to communicate. Days later, he was off of life support entirely. And even then, doctors were prepared for the worst. They said he would need weeks or months of rehab in order to see what his quality of life would be. But God's other name is Surprise. Because Nathan was home to spend Christmas with his family, and he was back at work as a chaplain in our community just a month later. Friends, the reality is that I could share countless stories all across this room that bear witness to the God who can always be depended on but never anticipated precisely. Because I bear witness to these stories within you. It is the biggest gift of being a pastor. And so my question for us this morning is, in what ways do we need to be reminded that the story we're telling ourselves, or perhaps even the story that is in the very real world around us, may not be how the story ends? You see, we can tell ourselves the story that we are unworthy of love. And we'll never find it. But the surprise of Easter is that Jesus loves us with the most overwhelming love we can imagine. Love that was powerful enough to defeat death and will never let us go. We can tell ourselves the story that grief and pain will never end. It's just too much. But the surprise of Easter is that even though the scars do remain, new life bubbles up all around us. It does, even in the places where we least expect it to show up. 
We can tell ourselves the story that the injustices going on right now in our world, in our country, right here in our state and in our city are far too great to ever overcome. We can tell ourselves that it's time or even past time to just throw in the towel because it's too much. But the overwhelming surprise of Easter is that despair never, ever gets the final word. And so when you and I are tempted to believe that we already know how the story ends, the resounding words of Easter are not yet. (laughs) You see, it's true that Easter begins while it is still dark. But thanks be to God, that's not where the story ends. It's not where our stories end, because as long as our God is the God of surprises, the final word of Easter will always be hope. Friends, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen and amen.